Hey there, folks. My name is Emily, and welcome very much to E Pluribus Unum, a podcast where we talk about culture, politics, ideas, religion, etc. And we just try to think about it. You know, I'm not making any big pronouncements from on high because who am I? We're just thinking about things, hopefully, in a way that we don't always get the opportunity to think about it because pundits yell things at us and that's sort of their job, but still they yell it at us. They tell us what to think or we've just always thought a certain way. And sometimes it's interesting to just turn back the dial and think about things from a different perspective. For instance, everyone's really focused on Kyle Rittenhouse, right? The trial and he was just found not guilty and people are really upset by it. And some people are really happy by it. Isn't it interesting to think about that people all over the country care about this particular murder trial? There are murder trials going on all the time in all 50 states, and certain ones for some reason capture our attention. The first one that I recall was a Scott Peterson case in the early 2000s. He was accused of murdering his wife, and I remember everyone tuning into that, and you know, some people said he's too handsome, he looks so nice, there's no way he could do it. And then some people said, obviously, it was the husband. And it's just fascinating how some of these cases arrest our attention. Some cases make sense, like the O.J. Simpson trial, which I think I was alive for, but not old enough to pay attention to. That makes sense. He's a famous person. You know, Bill Cosby's trial, not for murder, but nonetheless, you know, when it's famous people, that makes sense. But sometimes it's these random people. And for some reason, because of how the media plays it, because it's all about the media bringing it to our attention, we get into it. And I know the Kyle Rittenhouse thing is a little bit different because it's being pegged not just as a murder trial, you know, it's not some guy shooting another guy over a girl or over a robbery, right? They're making it into a whole like racial BLM versus MAGA type thing. And social media helps these days because it's not just TV that we rely on or just newspapers. So even if the traditional media didn't cover it, we might still know about it. But isn't it just interesting to think that this 17-year-old kid is in a lot of people's minds I'm sure there are plenty of 17-year-old kids who are involved in cases and we never hear about them because we can't hear about all of the cases ever and all the trials, but it's just interesting to analyze why do we care so much about this case? Why are we being told to care so much about this case? You know, the news is biased, not just because reporters are humans and they have bias and no matter how hard one might try to not act in an overtly biased way, it creeps in, some people more intentionally than others. But the bias is also evident in what stories the media chooses to share, and this story they chose to share. And we should think about that. Or we can think about that. Anyway, that's what I try to do here on E Pluribus Unum. Try to think about things in a way that's not controversial. I'm not trying to say some people are better than others or that one side is more right than another side or anything like that. There are enough people out there being divisive on both sides. I'm just trying to get people to think about things and be 
more understanding and open-minded. Do I have a certain bias? I do. I am Jewish. I'm a woman. I am politically conservative. So I have my biases and I'm totally upfront about them. I love the United States. I love Israel. I'm not hiding any of the things that I care about and what perspective I'm coming from. Nonetheless, I try to foster a conversation that, of course, guided by my beliefs, because how else could I have a conversation? It comes from my mind, and that's what my mind believes. Nonetheless, this is not an attacking podcast. This podcast is for everyone to come and listen and to think, and I really try to keep it not too political. I try. Sometimes I succeed. Sometimes I talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. What can you do? What I really wanted to get to today, though, is something interesting that I noticed actually a few months back when I was trying to post something on social media, and then I've gotten so caught up in other topics on different episodes that I haven't gotten to this topic yet, but it's always been in the back of my mind, so I'm very excited to talk about it today. So I was trying to post something on Instagram. By the way, follow me on Instagram at Podcast. And I wanted to use the hashtag love your neighbor because I was doing something about loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself, something like that. I don't remember, but it was something along those lines. So if you've ever been on Instagram, as you start to type in a hashtag, it's sort of like a Google search. It starts to autofill what the most popular things are or trying to guess what you're going to do. So I started typing hashtag love your. All of the results that came up were about loving yourself. Now, when I went and I typed in hashtag love thy, then love thy neighbor came up, though love thyself was also up there, but love thy neighbor has a more biblical sound, I guess, but love your, all of the top hits were love yourself, love your body, love your life, love your curves. In fact, the top results as of today, love yourself at 92.5 million, Love yourself first at 2.3 million, love your body at 6 million, and love your curves at 882,000. And I found this result, this text result, really interesting on two counts. The first was, of course, Instagram didn't exist 150 years ago. But had it existed 150 years ago, I wondered if the top hits for love your would have been about loving yourself? Or would it have been love your neighbor? And what kind of society are we fostering when loving yourself comes before loving your neighbor? And even if we're not specifically fostering that kind of culture, though I think we are, and I'm going to go into that, it's still the top result on Instagram, which means many more people are using hashtags having to do with loving yourself as opposed to loving your neighbor. And I just, I thought that was interesting. But I think it struck me particularly because it goes along with this whole self-care, self-love movement. Now, self-care and self-love are important, but the fact that there's a whole movement, I think, is troubling and concerning and interesting. So what is this self-care, self-love movement? As far as I can figure out from the numerous posts and articles I've read and blogs and things like that, it's this idea that you need to take care of yourself both emotionally and physically. 
and really focus on your own physical and emotional well-being. So some of it's like love yourself and eat well or love yourself and remember to exercise. So good reminders. A lot of it has to do with, you know, treating yourself. Remember to take breaks sometimes, take breaks from work, take breaks from your family, find time for yourself, make a spa day, treat yourself to some, you know, nice bath bombs or nail polish, whatever the equivalent is for men. Though I see so many of these posts directed towards women, I assume it's not just for women, though I think there is a little bit of a focus on women. And I think it stems from this idea that women for so long were taking care of families, you know, husbands and kids and extended family and friends. And maybe they were also trying to work and women should remember to take a step back and take care of themselves. Now, all of these things are true. We should be taking care of ourselves physically, eating well, exercising, getting the right amount of sleep, showering, brushing our teeth, going to the doctor, you know, all of these things where we need to take care of our bodies. Some of it like brushing our teeth for our sake and for other people's sake. And also mentally, we it's important to take breaks from work. You, know, you shouldn't be buried in work 24-7. We shouldn't be buried in social media 24-7. And we shouldn't be buried in other people either 24-7. It is important to take time for ourselves or maybe time away from the kids and spending time with husband or time away from husband is spending time with girlfriends, whatever it is, all of these things are true. And I'm not a therapist, but I can only imagine that it's important to take care of yourself for yourself, for your own emotional emotional and physical well-being, but also so that you're able to take care of others. I have to imagine one is a better mother when one is not overwhelmed and stressed all the time and prone to anger because you're at the end of your rope. You know, and if you are taking care of yourself physically, then you can you can lift your children, you can go play with them. There are things you can do that if you're sick, you're really not taking care of yourself and you're overweight and not in good health, you're not able to do. So yes, we all need to take care of ourselves. There are a lot of Jewish perspectives also reminding us to take care of ourselves. So there's nothing wrong with taking care of oneself. This whole self-care movement, once you add movement to something, you've turned it into not just a good idea, but into a way of life. And I think this whole self-care and self-love way of life is problematic. One of the things that comes along with this movement is this idea that you are enough. My acting teacher said this to me in college, and I didn't like it then, and I don't like it now. The very fundamental core of you are enough, I can agree with. Meaning, you as a human being that God created and put on this earth have the raw materials you need to fulfill the purpose that God gave you and to be a contributing member of society and to be a good person. Meaning, if you are short, tall, fat, if you have a speech impediment, if you are blind, whatever you are is how you are meant to be. If you are a computer scientist, if you're an actor, whatever you are, that's who you are meant to be, and you can fulfill your mission with the talents that God gave you. So fundamentally, I agree with the idea that you are enough. I don't think you are enough means that when people say it today. At least that's not the feeling that the posts on Instagram, and I know a post on Instagram is not the New York Times. It's probably a lot more intelligent than the New York Times. 
but it's an indication of where the average person is, where culture is, and that's an indication of where we are as a people. So I fully support my right to use Instagram as an indicator of where we are culturally. So when it's used, you are enough, it gives this idea that as you are right now in this very moment, you are enough. And that's just not true. For any of us, probably ever in our lifetime, and again, I'm not saying that at our fundamental core, of course, we're all enough. God created us and we're here. If we are here, there's a purpose and there's a plan, but we're not supposed to settle. We're not supposed to say, you know what, take me world for all my flaws and my imperfections because I am who I am. We're supposed to grow. If who we were was enough, we wouldn't have to mature into adults. We wouldn't have to learn all the lessons we were taught as kids, like how to share. We, we are enough and we need to keep working on ourselves. And the self-love, self-care movement doesn't encourage that. It encourages taking care of yourself and pampering yourself and putting yourself before others, but not working on yourself as a person. Self-care and self-love have a place for everyone. And some people need it more. Some people do need reminders to truly love themselves. People who are in depressions or people who are in abusive relationships, you know, they need to know, love yourself enough that you're worth better than this. And it could be that I'm taking this way too seriously and looking too deeply into it. It's really not that big a deal. It's just about pampering yourself and having a spa day every once in a while. And again, a reminder for people who really, really need it to love themselves and not be so down on themselves all the time about their imperfections. I can't help thinking that a focus on loving yourself, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, is going to start making people think firstly of themselves instead of other people. And while we definitely should think of ourselves, we need to take care of ourselves. If I'm not for myself, who am I? As it says in Ethics of the Father. So we are responsible for ourselves and we shouldn't expect that other people will be responsible or take care of us per se. But I think there has to be a reason for this self-care. I think that's the issue. I don't think self-love or self-care, especially self-love, is an end in itself. As a vehicle to being a better friend, a better spouse, a better parent, a better child, a better human in society. Yes, self-love and self-care. But in and of itself, I'm not so sure. And maybe I'm wrong. I know this is a huge thing. But, well, think about people who... Let's take the two extremes. People who put their friends and their families first. And we have friends like this. We've, we probably all know someone like this who puts everyone in their life first and takes care of everyone. And we think, man, you just need to slow down and take a minute for yourself. We appreciate who you are as a person, but take care of yourself for a little bit. We feel sorry for that person. But we also endlessly appreciate their generosity and their selflessness. And on the other end of the spectrum is someone who thinks only of themselves and never thinks of anyone else, right? Selfish and vain and doesn't ask how anyone else is doing and doesn't help their friends and is only focused on me, me, me. Now, these are two extremes, and all of us probably fall somewhere more towards the middle. 
And that's probably the healthier place to be because it's important to take care of oneself and others. But if we had to choose between the two extremes, we'd probably much rather spend time with the person who focuses on others at the expense of herself versus the person who focuses only on herself. And while most people aren't the extremes, I think looking at the extreme is an indication to us of which one is better. And one doesn't really need to come at the expense of the other, though it's hard to live a perfectly balanced life. And if we had to move to one side or the other, it's probably better to move a little bit closer to the paying attention to others and being selfless side than on the selfish side. So we should take care of ourselves, but there should be a reason for it. Again, maybe I'm taking this whole thing way too seriously and I should go have a bath, light some candles and chillax. Please hit me up on Instagram. Let me know if you think I'm overreacting here, but but I don't think so. But of course I don't think so. This is my podcast. Speaking of thinking of others, Thanksgiving is coming up in a couple of days. And while I know it is a frantic time of buying food and baking and cooking, I was talking to some people, you know, they get up at like four o'clock in the morning to start cooking. I have never cooked a whole turkey in my life. I don't know all the timing that goes into it, but I have cooked big meals and I know it's always more work than one thinks. And families coming in and fam- being with family is stressful for many people, but also many people are excited and kids are out of school and it's about to be the Christmas season. I'm Jewish, but I love the Christmas season. I've been listening to Christmas music for like three weeks already. And I love Thanksgiving. Yes, the food. And yes, being with family. But I I almost love Thanksgiving more conceptually than I do in real life. In real life, it's fun. It's being with family. It's eating all the food. It's fall. It's great. But conceptually, the idea of a holiday focused on gratitude and giving thanks. What a beautiful concept. People give the United States a hard time for our history and, and there's some stuff. Yeah, that you can give us a hard time for. And I know we're not the only people to have a Thanksgiving. But the fact that we do have a Thanksgiving, I think should definitely count in our favor. First of all, the focus on gratitude and on thankfulness. People make it a day of focusing on family, too, or friends. And if you think about the origins of Thanksgiving, the Indians helping out the pilgrims when they didn't have a lot of food, that's also interwoven into Thanksgiving, the idea of helping neighbors and coming together despite whatever differences we might have. I know the history of Thanksgiving is more involved than the Indians helping out the pilgrims and they didn't have turkey and and whatever else we typically think of as the history. It's a little bit of a national myth. I mean, there's there's history and there's truth to it, but the story that we all learned as kids and which we probably never really learned more about after like third grade is a little bit of a myth. Fine. Or it's, I shouldn't say it's a myth because it's true history, but the the little parts of it that we know are just little parts, but it's become a national myth in the same way of 
Washington crossing the Delaware or, or Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. There's so much more background that goes to it. And we just remember these very brief moments, but I think it's really to our credit that the thing that the part of the story we choose to focus on is that is different people coming together to help each other and the Indians helping the English settlers, right? This is a very positive story about Indians in a country which we're told is racist and hates people who look different than them. And especially, you know, brown people or red people, whatever Indians are in that sense, and which, you know, killed Indians with impunity. Our, our main story about Indians is about their positivity and their kindness and their generosity. A country's myths, a country's national stories are a pretty good indication of the kind of country that the country is. And the fact that one of our foundational stories that kids learn in kindergarten is about different people coming together, and specifically the Indians helping the pilgrims, right? It's not about the white man's burden, the white man coming in and providing bounty to the Indians. It's the other way around. The Indians help the pilgrims, but they all worked harmoniously together to feast and enjoy the bounty that God had provided. I think that's like, that says a lot about the kind of country we are in a very good way. We're so used to the story, especially as adults, we probably don't even think about it anymore. If we do, we probably vaguely remember being in kindergarten and dressing up, you know, some of us in feather headbands and some people in black hats with little buckles on it. We know that the Indians help the pilgrims, but we don't really think about it. Once we get into Thanksgiving, it's more about the food and football and family. And it's beautiful that people come together with family on Thanksgiving, but it almost misses the point. It's not just about celebrating family. It's about celebrating unity of people, of different people helping each other out despite differences, of there being good in the people that you otherwise, you know, were afraid of or who you thought were different from you, and being grateful for everything we have. It's a really beautiful holiday, which loses some of its holiness when we focus on the food and coming together with family and forget the origins of it. When we, I've talked about this before, but taking things away from the origins makes it, okay, it's nice, but where did it come from? What's its purpose? I don't really have more specifically to say on that, except that, again, it's just about looking at things from a different perspective. We think about family, food, and football, and fall on Thanksgiving, but maybe it's time to think about that founding story that we haven't maybe thought about since we were kids, and what does it mean about who we are as a country and as a people? You know, what can it teach us about how to treat people today? So, happy Thanksgiving to all of you, and happy Hanukkah, the first night of Hanukkah is Sunday night, so very shortly after Thanksgiving. So this is a pretty action-packed weekend if you're Jewish. And for everyone, but especially to those of you who will be with family members or friends with whom maybe you disagree politically or you have other 
issues and you have to be stuck with each other at your Thanksgiving meal, just remember to always be a little kinder than necessary. Thank you for listening to E Pluribus Unum. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. And please share the podcast with anyone you think would benefit from some common sense and thoughtfulness. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at E Pluribus Unum Podcast. You can also find me on Locals at e epluribusunumpodcast.locals.com. The intro and end music is Chopin's Etude, Opus 10, Number 1 in C Major, known as the Waterfall Etude. <laughs>